Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. It is God's word written to me. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. I am not moved by what I see. I am not moved by what I feel. I am moved by what I believe, and I believe what God says. Come on, would you say it with me, church? I am not moved by what I see. I am not moved by what I feel. I am moved by what I believe, and I believe what God says. Smith Wigglesworth was the one who coined that phrase. Smith Wigglesworth was a British evangelist. He moved in the power of the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just wanted to start with that because I really believe that when we hear from God and we listen to what God says, it will impart to you and I a spirit of faith, if I can use that terminology, or I'll put it this way, faith will be awakened, faith will be quickened, faith will come to life in your heart and in your life. Isn't that what we're all about at Lakeshore? It's not Pastor Gill's mission, it's not Pastor Scott's mission, it's not just my mission, it's your mission, it's our mission, right? What's our mission? To reach and connect people to Jesus Christ so that God's love is confirmed, hope is renewed. Come on, finish with me. And faith comes to life. That's really the heartbeat of what our senior pastor feels like the Lord has called us to as a church. That's based on 1 Corinthians 13, 13, love, hope, and faith. And you know, we just finished up a four-week series on hope, this confident, joyful expectation that's found and centered in the person and the promises of Jesus Christ. And today we're starting a new series across all three of our campuses, and we're simply calling it Faith Awakened. Come on, does anybody have a little bit more room for some more faith in God to come up to another level, right? Anybody believing God for something, a relationship to get put back in order, maybe a breakthrough in your finances, maybe forgiveness to happen, maybe some restoration or some healing. I would venture to believe that there isn't a single one of us, students included, that don't have something in their heart that it's going to take some faith in order for it to come to pass in our lives. So we're going to take the next four weeks and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to awaken our faith together individually and all of us corporately. And the title of today's message specifically is this, How to Become a Person of Faith. Come on, say it with me. How to Become a Person 
of faith. Now, I'm not insinuating that you're not already a person of faith, but I will be bold enough to say that all of us have some more room to come up in our faith. Faith is a big topic in the Bible. For example, Habakkuk 2.4 says, The just shall live by faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, You're saved by grace through faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, It's impossible to please God without faith. 1 John 5.4 says, Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. The world is this secular dark system that's trying to keep you down and keep you from experiencing what God has for you. Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus says, have faith in God. Mark, uh, is it Matthew nine twenty nine? Jesus says, according to your faith, let it be done. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, come on, you know it. We walk by faith and not by sight. And Luke 18, there's this parable, and Jesus ends a parable, and he says, when the Son of Man returns to the earth, speaking of himself, Will he really find faith? Faith is a big deal. Somebody might be thinking, Pastor Robert, I don't know. It sounds like a lot of work already. I mean, I'm going to heaven. That's enough. I got faith to go to heaven. Well, and that's true and that's good. But I just want to say that's a starting point. Faith for heaven, that's a starting point. But we still got to live some years here on earth. Isn't that true? So we got to figure out, why is it important for me to be a person of faith? And the Lord just kind of showed me this scripture in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, a couple years ago. And it's sometimes when you're reading the Bible, and this verse just kind of pops out at you. That was the experience I had with this verse. And I've been meditating on it, thinking about it. And I just wanted to share this with you real quickly as we're talking about faith. This, this is talking about you. If you've received Jesus Christ, this is talking about you. It says, for he, that's God, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. That's what the new King James says. Now, catch this with me. If you're a Christian, if you've received Christ as your Savior, this verse is saying that you've been relocated. God rescued you. He delivered you, listen, from the kingdom of darkness. That word kingdom in the Greek is the word exousia, and it really means authority, license, influence. So catch this. When you weren't saved, you lived under the authority, the license, the influence of the kingdom of darkness. Who rules over the kingdom of darkness? That's not a trick question. Who? Satan rules over the kingdom of darkness. So when I wasn't saved, I was living over here under the rulership, under the authority, under the license of the kingdom of darkness where Satan rules. Whether I knew it or not, that's where I lived. But when I got saved... He delivered me from that place, and he transferred me. Come on, somebody say, I've been transferred. I've been relocated. He transferred you. He relocated you to the kingdom of the son of his love. What does that mean? That means you live in a different place than you lived before you got saved. Spiritually speaking. You were placed in the kingdom. That word kingdom, the second time it's used, it's a different word. It's not exousia. It's basilio. 
Basilio from the Greek word basileas, which means king or prince or ruler. So you were transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of heaven on earth where the prince of peace, the king of all kings, rules and reigns now, and you're part of his kingdom. Wow. Why is that important? It's important because if you don't realize that, you won't realize that you need to learn to live from the kingdom of heaven on earth, and the kingdom of heaven on earth worketh by love through faith. So if you don't ever want to become a person of faith and you're saved, you'll get to heaven, but you just, you won't experience everything that God wants you to experience because we've already discovered that faith is a lifestyle of kingdom people. Amen. So why should I want to become a person of faith? Because that's how kingdom people live. If you're with me so far, say amen. amen. So you've been relocated. Let's look at when that happens. Romans 1, 16 and 17. Romans chapter 1, Paul's writing to the church in Rome. He's talking about faith. He's introducing faith as a starting point, as the, as the catch-all, be-all. It's something that's supposed to be part of our life. Romans 1, 16 and 17. I'm reading out of the New King James Version, it's on the screen. Would you read it with me together, church? Come on, let's read it together. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Notice, the just, that means the person who's received Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and is in now a right relationship with God, that person is a just person now before God. Let me just say this. This morning when I quoted John 3.16, before we took communion, when I, when I came back to my seat, I just felt like the Lord whispered to me that there's a strong possibility that there's a couple of people, at least one, in here today, who've never really received God and his love through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In other words, you haven't made the profession and received Christ as your Savior. He loves you, and you're here, but you haven't made the personal decision yet. You're like real close on the cusp, but you haven't done it yet, and he wants you to be in the family, and the way you get in the family is by doing that. You're believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. And so at the end of our service, we're going to give opportunity for that. But I just wanted to share that because it might apply to somebody who's with us. When you're just, your sins have been forgiven. Notice what it says. The just shall live by faith. This is the lifestyle of every person in a relationship with God. This phrase, uh, from faith to faith, from faith to faith. Another translation puts it this way, from start to finish by faith. In other words, your life in faith started out by believing Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and now we're supposed to live by faith every day for the rest of our lives from start to finish until we get to heaven. That's what this means. 
It's one level of faith to another level of faith. It becomes our lifestyle. So today, real quickly, I just want to answer three basic questions. Here they are. What is faith? Where does faith come from? And how do I get faith? Now, this is important because the world system, people who aren't in a relationship with God, they have, um, they have let's see, let me see. I'll, I'll say a counterfeit to Bible faith. Here's the counterfeit. It's called optimism. There's nothing wrong with being optimistic. There's nothing wrong with seeing the glass half full versus half empty. There's nothing wrong with leaving your house every day and being optimistic and talking to yourself and quoting motivational speakers and pumping yourself up. There's nothing wrong with that, but I just want to tell you that's not the same as Bible faith. And if you're a person in a relationship with God, we have to learn how to live by Bible faith. Amen? So the first thing, what is faith? Hebrews 11.1, 1, you might know it by heart. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is the substance of things hoped for. This is a great description of faith. I want to read it to you in the Amplified also. Can I read it to you in the Amplified? It's not going to be on the screen. Just listen to this. Now faith is the assurance, title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Have you ever lived by faith? You just knew that you knew that you knew. God was telling the truth. He was going to come through no matter how you felt, no matter what it looked like. You just knew that you knew that you knew. That's faith. And God wants us to understand what that is and how to live by it. Just want to point out a couple of words so we're real clear. This word faith, it literally means conviction of the truth of anything. It means a belief. It means a persuasion of the truthfulness of God. When we're talking about Bible faith, we're talking about being persuaded of the truthfulness of God that's based on a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now this word substance, some other translations use different words, but the New King James that I read uses the word substance, and I want to break this down just a little bit, because that really, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me at first glance. Now faith is a substance. The word substance, it's the Greek word hypostasis, and it's important, hypostasis. That word hypostasis means a foundation a substructure, or a support. And it's made up of two smaller words, hupo, H-Y-P-O, that means under, substructure, support, foundation, under. And the second word, hestemi, which means to stand, to stand. So taken together, substance literally means a foundation that stands under or supports. Are you with me? Say Amen. So our faith, listen, is the foundation that supports everything that we hope for. So if we remove faith, there's no substructure. There's no support. There's no standing under 
what we're hoping for, and it becomes optimism. At best, may or may not happen. And it's important to know this. Many, many times in the Bible, uh, I'm cautioned to say every time because I'm not sure. Um, I'll say every time. Every time God asks us to believe or to step out in faith, there's usually a corresponding action. Even if he's asking you to wait. How many know it takes faith to wait on God? Like you want to do something, but the corresponding action for your faith is not doing anything and letting God do something. Right? So even not doing something is doing something. It's a corresponding action. James 2.17 puts it this way. So to faith, if it does not have works to back it up, is by itself dead, inoperative and ineffective. Inoperative and ineffective. Okay, so here's a simple uh, big truth or definition of faith, okay? You can probably come up with some other ones. This is a working definition for today's message. Faith is being persuaded of something God has said or shown you to the point of action. Somebody say to the point of action. Come on, to the point of action. You can give yourself, and I can give myself, the person of faith test. Okay, here's a person of faith test. Does what I say I believe have corresponding action to affirm what I say I believe? For example, let's say you believe that um, the Bible is an important part of your spiritual growth. So therefore, the question is, do you read it on a regular basis? I don't look at your neighbor. Just keep your eyes on God, right? So I'm assuming that you have faith in Jesus or you at least want to be in a relationship with him because you're here. I'm assuming you're listening to people preach on Sundays or whenever you do regularly because you believe these words are powerful, they're important, they're going to strengthen you, they're going to feed you, they're going to help you grow, right? Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we believe that when God speaks and we hear something, it's important. It can encourage us and strengthen us. So if I say I believe that, the question I have to ask myself is, is there a corresponding action to what I say I believe? In other words, how often do I read it? One day a week? Two days a week? Four days a week. Come on, anybody in here read their Bible six days a week? Let me see your hand. There's somebody in here. Six days a week. Six days a week. Six days a week. You read your Bible almost every day. That's a powerful habit. Life-changing, amen? Somebody might be like, Pastor Robert, I don't know, man. I don't, even, I don't even read my Bible one day a week. That's okay. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you shoot for two days a week. And you're going to be so full and so saturated with God's strength and God's power, God's love, you're going to want to go up to three days a week, to four days a week. And now you've got some corresponding action to what you say you believe. So you understand what corresponding action is, right? Like this. This is a corresponding faith statement. I believe that showers are good hygiene. (laughs) Anybody believe that in the house? So if I ask you, do you take showers? You should say yes. (laughs) Amen. That's a corresponding action. Now, if you said no, and then you said, but I believe it, then we know you really don't believe it. Because if you did, 
You get my point, right? Corresponding action. It's important because if we want to become people of faith, we can't disconnect corresponding action to what we say we believe. I want to show you a picture of an African impala. It's going to be on the screen. What's interesting about this animal is that it can jump to a height of over 10 feet high. And it can jump 30 feet long in distance. But the same animal can be kept in an enclosure in a zoo with a six-foot wall. Why? Because it's been discovered they will not jump if they can't see where their feet will land. And so here's a question. I wonder how many times we fail to get from where we are to where we want to be because we won't jump. And the jumping is the corresponding action. See, when we say we believe that gathering together on a Sunday morning is going to increase my faith, it's going to allow me to encourage other people, it's going to allow me to sit in the, in the house of God and be refreshed and strengthened. But then I only come once a month. Well, we got some room for some more corresponding action. Amen? So faith, it can't be disconnected from corresponding action. Amen? So faith is this persuasion that God is telling the truth. And we believe it so much, we're willing to jump. Amen. Like when we moved from California. Where are you going to work? I don't know. Where are you going to live? I don't know. I'm scared. My wife would tell me, hey, listen, if God's will, it's God's bill. You got to jump. If you heard him, don't be presumptuous. But, but when faith, we're going to talk about that. When you hear him, you can jump. He's faithful. So the next question, where does faith come from? Where does it come from? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Read it with me, church. Come on. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's talking about saving faith. That's talking about when you hear somebody preaching the good news of Jesus and you can be forgiven and brought in a relationship with God. The Holy Spirit brings faith and you become born again because you heard about some other translations say the message of Christ, the gospel. And this word, word, it doesn't literally mean one word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by one word from God, although it could be one word. This word, word, means something that is spoken by a living voice, and it's spoken to you and for you in your circumstance. So faith doesn't only come to get you saved. Faith comes when God wants to move in your life and bring breakthrough and bring vision where there is none and bring light out of darkness where, where you're believing him to do something that looks impossible when you're reading the scriptures, when you're meditating in his house, when you're listening to God. Faith can come and God can bring a word of encouragement, a word of promise that comes to life in your heart and all of a sudden now faith has been awakened because you've heard God speak. That's what this is talking about. That's how it comes. That's how faith comes. Now, I want to say this is so, so important. Faith and Bible faith is always rooted to and connected in Jesus. Always. Think about this. Hebrews 12, 2. We're looking unto Jesus. Come on, read the rest with me. The author and finisher of our faith. 
It's not on the screen yet. I want to read it together. Oh, he doesn't have it. That's why. I had no faith when I put it on my screen notes. Sorry. <laughs> Take a note. Hebrews 12 two. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. Who's the author and the finisher of your faith? Jesus. Now, what's interesting about this, the word author, uh, it means leader and source. The word suggests a combination of the meaning of a leader with that of the source from where a thing proceeds or originates. In other words, your faith, your Bible faith, originates from Jesus. He's the author. He's the leader. He's the originator. He's the source of your faith. And that's important because the more understanding the more spiritual insight, the more revelation, if I can use that term, of who Jesus is and what Jesus has accomplished for you, the more of a person of faith will become. So if, if you're not even reading your Bible yet, or you don't know what else to read in your Bible, read the red letters. Read the messages of Jesus. Read where Jesus is preaching. Remember, Jesus' heart was to manifest the Father in the earth. So when you see Jesus, you see the Father. So read about Jesus, because that's where real faith will begin to soar, and you'll come to a whole new level. For example, let's say you're struggling with anxiety, for example, and, and you just don't know how to get over it. You might even be taking medication. I'm not telling you to stop seeing a doctor or stop taking medication, but I'm telling you, add the gospel. Come on. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, be anxious for nothing but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God will surpass all your understanding, guarding your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. That's the promise. When you begin to meditate on promises like that, fear is replaced by faith. Unsettledness and stress and anxiety is replaced by faith and a peace that comes from the author of your faith. So when, when you need faith, you got to understand faith comes as a result of hearing God speak. That will take us to our second big truth. Here it is. Faith comes as a result of the Holy Spirit divinely persuading us that God and his word are true. That's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 13, Jesus is speaking he says, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He was speaking to his disciples, but how many are disciples? You're followers of Jesus. Part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to reveal truth to you, to guide you in truth. Truth is God will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's the truth. And so when you're freaking out and you don't know how you're going to pay your bills and and I'm not saying that we don't need to be good stewards and, and we need to learn how to handle God's money as kingdom representatives. But sometimes we go through dips and we get a little stressed and we get a little tight. So we got to go to the word of God and allow him to persuade us by the help and the partnership of the Holy Spirit that God is telling the truth. Amen. God is faithful. Think about that verse. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Did you notice that he was struggling and he had some lack and he was on match.com? Did anybody catch that? He was looking for a significant other. These are all things that we go through 
But what really caught my attention was he got a hold of his Bible. Did you see that? He opened up the Bible, and through the scriptures, God spoke to him. We could say faith was awakened. He prayed. I don't know how long it took, but we saw the results after at least two years, how things had changed for him. But a lot of times, faith is this journey where we just decide to stay with what God said. Even though it doesn't look like it's going to work, even though it doesn't feel like it's going to work, faith comes when I hear God speak into my life. So that'll lead us then to our third and final question is, how do we get faith? Personalize it. How do I get faith? If you've got some room in your life for faith, I just want to briefly kind of cover this parable. You've heard it before in Mark chapter 4. It's the story about the sower sows the word. That's what Mark 4.14 says. The sower sows the word. Some other translations say the farmer plants the seed. And so Jesus is telling this story and he talks about how this farmer scatters the seed. Now, the seed is symbolic of the word of God, the promises of God, God speaking in your life. And then he says there's these four different types of ground. There's a wayside ground. It's hard. And then he says there's a stony ground where there's rocks on top of it. And he says there's a thorny ground where it's got all kinds of weeds and big thorns and so on and so forth. And then he gets to the fourth kind of ground. He says that's good ground. Now let me just remind you in that story, the ground is symbolic of our hearts. And if you want to know where faith comes from, it comes from you and I scattering the seed of God's word down into our hearts. And it's important that you understand that parable because the first ground, it's the wayside ground. It's hard. It's like a path of hard dirt. And when the seed of God's word hits our heart like that, our heart is unreceptive. The enemy comes and he'll snatch it away or will just never penetrate and it won't grow to the fruitfulness that God wants it to. And then the second type of ground, or we'll say heart, is this stony heart. It, it's not deep. The roots never really penetrated. They never really got down in there. And the person got some trial and some tribulation because of the word's sake. The enemy always wants to steal the word of God's promise in your life and in my life. And that particular heart just gave up on the promises of God. And God's word never grew and it never became fruitful. And then it talks about this third type of heart. It's a thorny heart. And I think that's where a lot of us live. I'm even living there sometimes. In the story, the thorns represent all of the other things that we desire and all of the stuff that's pulling on our attention from God, all of the things that get down in our hearts where God's word is and they compete against our relationship with God. That's called thorny ground. And what happens is those thorns, those things that are competing with God's word and our relationship with God, they choke out the word and God's word as powerful as it is. It just never develops to the fruitfulness that God wants it to because it's got all kinds of rivalries in there. Rivalries like I'm not stepping on anybody's toes and I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking. Okay. Rivalries like fishing. Rivalries like vacation. Rivalries like just 
hanging out at home and watching TV all the time. Rivalries by watching things that we shouldn't be watching or listening to things that we shouldn't be listening to or thorns of people that we know are a bad influence. All of that stuff competes with the fruitfulness of God's word and God's promise in your life. But if we want to get faith, we have to keep the word of God coming in and then we have to keep our hearts clear. As a matter of fact, that'll take us to our, our third big truth. Listen to this. We get faith by planting the word in our hearts and keeping our hearts clear from obstacles that would hinder the word from taking root and growing. Obstacles. Listen, God's for you. His heart is for you and I to become people of faith. So as we're closing today, what did we learn or what were we reminded of? Number one, faith is being persuaded of something God has said or shown you to the point of action. Somebody say action. Action. So has God been speaking to you about something and you've been reluctant to take action? Keep that between you and him and allow him to just kind of speak that fresh into your life. Number two, we learned faith comes as a result of the Holy Spirit divinely persuading us that God and his word are true. When we're meditating on the word, when we're listening to messages, the Holy Spirit will persuade us. Hey, listen, I've got a plan. I've got a purpose for you. Stay with God. Stay with his promises. And number three, we learned or we're being reminded of, we get faith by planting the word in our hearts and clearing our hearts from obstacles that would hinder the word from taking root and growing. Does that make sense, church? Have you been blessed by the word today? Come on, stand to your feet and let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege and the blessing that we've had by gathering in your house amongst your family. We're so grateful for our time of worship and prayer and praise. We're so grateful that we're able to celebrate and take communion and remind ourselves of your love and the victory that we have in the finished work of the cross. And Father, we thank you that you're stirring us to become people of faith. You want for faith to be awakened in our hearts and our lives at a whole new level. Father, I thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit, who's going to give us a hunger and a desire to feed on the word, to feed on your promises, to feed on your presence, to feed on your truth. God, give us a hunger, give us a desire for your truth, for the word, for your presence, for your spirit, like we've never, ever had before. We're so desperate for that. Keeping your head bowed, if, if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Robert, you know, I don't even know that I'm, I'm saved. I don't even know if I have saving faith yet. I don't, I don't even know if I'm in the family or I was at one point, but I've strayed and I, I just feel like God's calling me back. I, I want to know that I know that I know I'm part of the family and I can begin to become this person of faith that you've talked about. There's no need to be ashamed of that. Every single one of us that are saved were in that boat. I was in that boat. So if you're here this morning and you want to be saved or you want to come back to a relationship with God, just so that we don't leave without acknowledging that and I can pray for you as we leave, would you just hold your right hand up nice and high so that I can see you? If you've never been saved, you've never accepted Christ, or if you want to come back into a relationship with him, today's the day of salvation. Raise your hand. So that 
Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.